Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. I want to speak to you about Australian idols. Australian idols. And uh, an idol, the dictionary says, is an image or representation of a god used as an object of worship. Could be an image, could be a totem, could be a figurine or a doll, something carved. It could be a golden calf. You know, these are examples of idols. Or secondly, it says, or a personal thing that is greatly admired, loved or revered. It's talking about something in a human life that begins to take over, something that has such attention from us that it begins to be something that we really adore, but in a sense that's unhealthy or a sense that's dysfunctional. And, and the Bible's very clear on this, that God's, right in God's commandments, right in his first two commandments, he deals with this matter. He says, worship God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And the second commandment talks about, do not make any idol. So it's talking about how God desires from us singular worship. Worship that's only for God. Like a devotion that God gets that nothing else in our life gets. And an idol is something that requires from us or begins to elicit from us that kind of devotion that should only be from God. It means that when I'm hurting, instead of running to God, I run to my idol. It means that when I need comfort, instead of going to my Father in heaven, I'm drawn to my idol. And I love it, the Apostle Paul, right at the end of his life, so he's got like, he's had now a whole life of ministry, a whole life of experiencing God. Right at the end, he says this, one of the final things that he writes in 1 John 5, 21, he says, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. Who's he talking to? Unbelievers? No, believers. Talking to Christians, he's saying, hey, watch it. Keep yourself from idols. We think of a piece of wood, but we're talking much more than that. We're talking about anything that really distracts us from the true purpose of God. And just so I don't confuse tech guys, I'll put in a long scripture next. I'm going to script uh, that scripture. So a de- an idol is something that we invest time in, energy in, money in. And it's something that really costs you something. You invest in it because you believe it's going to deliver something to you. You expect a reward, joy or peace or satisfaction or contentment. or Maybe it's purpose. But you're looking to invest into this thing to get something from it. Now, we need to be careful here because there are many good things that in balance are very beneficial to us. So I'm not talking about something good that you enjoy. God wants you to love and enjoy all the things that he's given us, right? God's blessed us in so many ways. And I love it. One of, uh, I remember reading many years ago, C.S. Lewis, and he talked about, you know, you could go for a walk for the purpose of fitness, and, and that's okay. He said, well, you can go for a walk just for the sheer enjoyment, and when you do that, you're probably closer to God than you ever are 
at any other time in your life. And so what he's talking about is when you enjoy the good things God gave to us, there's a closeness to God through that. So, so it's not saying that that's wrong. It's, it's great to enjoy all the great things that God's given us, but not to allow any one thing to elicit from us devotion and attention that really we should be getting from God. How about your career? It's great to have a career. It's good to succeed in your career and to do work, you know, to work hard and be diligent and be committed. That's good. You know, and, and we should derive a level of satisfaction from work, for sure. But if your career has become an idol, then your devotion to it is improportionate to the rest of your life. You end up devoting to your work energy that really should be going to your family. Energy that perhaps should be going to your, your soul well-being, you know, maybe your time with God or your health and fitness, that you're so consumed with work that it starts to take from other areas of your life, begins to become unbalanced in your life. Many families have crumbled, marriages have broken because of overwork. And so we need to be thinking about our lives in a holistic way, looking and reviewing our lives and thinking, hey, am I giving to these areas of my life in a way that's beneficial or has it become unbalanced? If your career defines you, if it gives you worth and value and purpose, it's where you can derive contentment, satisfaction, peace, then it's really something that's becoming an idol in your life. It should be a part of, but it should not be consuming. I remember um, a sister-in-law told me about an article she read in the Harvard Business Review that talked about personal profiling that businesses use. And, and it was talking about how one of the many uh, personal profiling strategies that businesses would use is high corporate fun businesses that are really looking for individuals who are going to give a huge amount of energy and work. It said that one of the things it looked for was traits in personality that showed abuse in earlier life because they knew that those people would be absolutely committed to work. What they were saying was this, we're looking for dysfunctional people who are going to give more to work really than they should because we're going to better drain and get out of those people things that really we won't get out of a healthy person. <laughs> so interesting, so interesting. Psychologists talk about... Um, you, know, you can suffer trauma in your life or you can have um, uh, ongoing trauma where you live in a state of that because of a traumatic childhood. And they said they're the kind of people, ideally, who they would seek to employ. So interesting, so interesting. And so what they're saying is if you come from brokenness, you're going to have a greater propensity towards idols. You're going to have a greater propensity to want to invest everything of yourself into something because actually you don't have in yourself peace and worth and satisfaction. Those things ultimately, hey, we should be getting from God. You may not have found those things, and so you're going to look to other things. Well, how about your body image? You know, it is great to be healthy. You know, it's great to, uh, to be fit and, and to feel, yeah, I look good. They're, they're good things. But hey, if you're obsessed with counting calories or obsessed about if it's a good day if you weigh one way and it's a bad day if you don't, then maybe, you know, your, your health has become... An idol. I remember I heard a Lily Allen song where she sung, as long as I'm losing weight, all is okay in the world. You know, and I thought, wow, you know, it's like it can get out of proportion. You know, we should think about our health, but we don't need to become obsessed about it. You know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be the dictator of our value, our joy, or our peace. Yeah. Romans 125 says they exchanged the truth of God. Sorry, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. 
And they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. It's this, it's, this, it's this reminding, this calling back to making sure that we put God in the place where God should be. And that actually as we make a decision to position God where he should be, the other things in our life tend to fall into place. But when God isn't in his correct place, you want to know other things are going to be vying for our attention and our devotion. It would be great if I could have a countdown clock because I don't want to go more time than, than I should. That would be helpful if it's possible. So an idol is anything God has created that that you devote yourself to in the hope that it will provide for you a joy, a peace, a satisfaction, a contentment, a purpose, meaning, I know, destiny, self-worth, value that only really the creator can provide. When the creator is first, the created things will take their rightful place. I love how God starts the Ten Commandments with one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, right? Two, don't make any idols. You know, he doesn't start with idols. He starts with, hey, put me in my right place and put idols. You know, idols will take their right place, you know? And so we need to make a decision. Hey, God, I'm going to put you first. Hey, God, I'm going to seek. I'm going to bring my needs and my brokenness and my pain. I'm going to bring it to you, God, not to other things, you know? You know, I know in my life that I'm, um, my propensity or my draw to idols is a barometer for how healthy I am and how connected to God I am on the inside. I'll give an example. If I find myself wanting to binge on Netflix or I, want to, I find myself overusing socials, I'm endlessly scrolling through social media, or if I'm you know, searching the internet, researching that product I want to buy, but I'm spending an, you know, an unreasonable amount of time doing so, all those kind of behaviours are indicators to me, hey, something's not right with you. Something's off with you. You need to go to God, do some business with God. You know, or for me, it might be something from my past or my childhood that's coming up that I might need to go talk to a therapist about or work through, but it's an indicator for me, hey, Spencer, something's going on with you now, and you're trying to avoid it in an idol or in a distraction. You know, and I get, I get a check in my spirit now. Oh, you know, something's not right. I need to go do business with God. And so I want to encourage you, if you're drawn to these things, you're not a bad person but it very well indicates that you might be a broken person. (laughs) There may be some area of your life that you actually need to bring now to God. Bring it now to God, get free from it. You know, I find so often the discomfort wants to, I want to lose myself in my hobby or whatever it is, you know, that that level of discomfort that's, you know, that hobby that's good now is becoming a little bit kind of taking up too much time. You know, it's a check for me. It's a reality check. Hey, something's going on. Something's going on that God wants to do business with. I'm uncomfortable. You know, and I love God because he will let you get uncomfortable and he's forever letting me get uncomfortable so he can take me to another level of healing, another level of, hey, would you give that to me now? God's so good. He doesn't do it in one go. It takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. You know, I find God just keeps on working on me, keeps on working on me, keeps on working on me. Created thing that is neither good nor bad, but it's the devotion to it that's bad. Money. I mean, you know, you know like... You know, money is the root of all evil. Probably the most wrongly quoted Bible verse of all time. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of money. So not money, devotion to, over-devotion to. Sex, man, sex is an awesome thing. God created it for our enjoyment and our pleasure. But if you devote yourself to it, it's unhelpful. Success is good, but devotion to it's bad. 
you know, our media use is good. Media can be helpful, but obsession and devotion to it, unhelpful. You know, I'll just chuck this in as a side note. Lately, I used to often get in my car and I'd put the radio on and I would often listen to ABC. I like listening to stuff that comes on there that have some really interesting uh, speakers and people they interview, but they have a lot of news. And, and I keep finding, particularly during this season of COVID, that I put it on, it's just negative, negative, negative. And I think, man, I don't need to know the stats of New South Wales case numbers. I don't, I don't need to know it. I live in WA. I don't need to know what's going on in the UK. I don't need to know what's going on here. I don't need to know that stuff, you know. And so I've, I've much often now, I turn it off. I turn the, that channel off, you know, because I actually don't want to keep on obsessively feeding myself on stuff that is unhelpful to me. Now, if that's necessarily an idol, but I'm just chucking that in there, you know, that I think we need to think about what we're listening to. We need to think about the things that we think about, you know, because I listen to that and my mind starts running, you know. It's the next thing, I'm the solver of the world's problems, you know, and God hasn't given me that position, so I didn't need to just worry about my stuff, you know. So what's the solution? The solution's God first. God first. Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I want to encourage you. You know, Pastor Jared was speaking. He's been speaking a great series lately about, about kingdom purpose. Kingdom purpose. And really, he's been talking about miracle territory, and he's been leading on to kind of kingdom purpose. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't been able to catch that series, uh, why don't you check it out on podcast? Because uh, it's so helpful, so helpful. And one of the things he was talking about this morning in our services is he was talking about, you know, making sure that we put the things of God before other things. So really he's talking about balance in our life and it touches on this area of idols. And he was saying that, that with church, you know, we need to prioritize church above our hobby or our social gatherings or other things that come in our life because what we're doing so by, by, by putting church first, we're saying, hey God, you're first. Hey, you're first. And gathering, which is something that you say is so important, is primary in my life. And so I'm going to make other things bow before that. I'm going to position myself to say, no, 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 this is a problem. So with family, I love my family, but if they keep doing family events on Sunday, I'm going to be saying, I'll be at the family event, but I'm going to be a little bit late because I'm going to church first, you know, and whether they like that or not, they're going to need to get, get over that because I'm prioritizing God. I don't, you know, if I don't, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have all kinds of idols and drama in my life and I'm a much better person with Jesus and so basically I'm going to go to church first, you know. And so we need to be thinking about that. You know, I've got a hobby and, and uh, uh, I love to build and race radio-controlled cars and often events will come on Sundays. Well, I can't go to those events, you know. And, uh, and so I've made a decision. It's, you know, our church is first. You know? And you, you might say, well, of course you do. You're a pastor here. You're paid to come, you know. But I want to encourage you. You know, I don't come to church three services a weekend because I'm paid to do it. I, I'm paid because I was already coming to three services partly. You know? So Leah and I used to come. Uh, so Leah's from Perth, from this church originally. I'm from the UK. You know, We met, we got married. I'll tell you the story later. It's an interesting one. But we met and got married. We lived in the UK. Uh, we were pastoring in the church in the UK on a, on a team under a senior pastor. And, um, and we used to visit here each year for like a holiday. You know, we'd come out in, in, in the summer for a holiday. And we would come to... Uh, Global Heart Church, which was then Sunset Coast, you know, and we'd come to we'd come to the three services, you know, we'd come to the three services, and we were on holiday, and we came to three services, you know, because we loved God and we loved His house, and we were committed to His house in all the seasons 
of our life, you know, and, and that isn't the only reason, but it's part of the reason that I got the high privilege to be, you know, part of the staff of church, you know. And so I want to encourage you, put God first. Put God's house first. It's going to help you. It's going to help. It's going to prevent you from idols. It's going to put the first thing first, you know. And I think so often we, you know, we focus on cure. Prevention's way better than cure. You know, I'd much rather have my kids planted in God's house, right, in the solution before any idols come creeping into their life. I'd much prefer to prevent than I would to cure, you know. It's all well and good for me. Broken down drug addict comes into church, gets saved. But I'd much rather someone get to know God real young and avoid all of that drama and all of that hassle and all of that, you know, the, 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 the damage ultimately that idol does in a person's life. So I want to encourage you. God's good. His plan for you is good. It's way better than your plan. It's going to give you way more satisfaction than any idol can ever offer you. So make a decision. Put God first above all other things. And that's what God's Word's saying. First, worship God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your spirit. Oh, and by the way, don't allow idols to come into your life and here's the deal you know idols they never deliver what they promise they, they never deliver what they promise they're trying to deliver what only God can bring you know they're trying to deliver what only God can, can, can bring Jeremiah 2.13 describes it like this it says for my people have committed two evils for they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewn out cisterns for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water you know, I, re- I remember for me, you know, drugs, when I, you know, my backstory is I was a drug addict before I became a Christian, before I came to church, got saved, you know, got free. But, I, you know, drugs gave me a release from the pain of an abusive childhood. That's what drugs gave me. And in order to have the same level of reward from drugs, I kept having to increase the amount, you know. And so the type I was using the amount kept varying, it kept progressing, it kept progressing, you know. And the cost was my health, my friends, my family relationships, and my integrity, you know? And yet I didn't stop. I didn't stop. Why? Because of what they gave me. Drugs gave me a release from the pain. The crazy thing is that towards the end of the addiction, I was taking drugs to get rid of the pain that the drugs were causing. You know what I mean? It's like, so I'm in an addiction, right, that's actually causing me drama. Now I'm taking that. I'm in that addiction to solve, yeah, you you hear what I'm saying? crazy but the reality is I went through the same process with overwork I went through the same process I went through with drugs with with overwork you know I went through the same process the cost was to my health my family my friends my relationships and my pursuit of success I was in danger of losing my integrity you know, it is a, when I was a new pastor, I just used to work obsessively, obsessively. You know, I would, I would, when I was preaching on the Sunday, I'd work all through the night, Saturday. So I'd, I'd, I'd start preparing in the week, and I'd keep preparing, and I basically would often do an all-nighter. Then I would come to church and preach. I could do this when I was 25. I could not do it now, you know. And I, know I just used to work obsessively all the time, you know. And then Leah came into my life, and I kind of dragged her into that. Both of us were just working obsessively and you know and I think particularly in a smaller church there's a real danger of doing that when you don't have a big team and uh, so we were working dysfunctionally you know unhealthily and I'm and what it was the driver for me was I want to prove I am someone I've been such a broken down addict all my life and messed up my life and 
and I want to really prove to the world I am someone. You know, I hadn't yet got a hold of, hey, you are someone in God. You're enough just as you are. God loves you exactly as you are. You're enough. You're going to bring your gift and whatever you are going to bring to planet Earth, and that's good, and it's just going to happen. You don't need to strive for it. Make it happen. Work. Work an angle. Get in the right place. Network. No, no, no. You've got to trust God. Do what's in front of you. Do the right thing. Trust God. And in his time, he'll lift you up, right? If he wants to. Or maybe he won't because he's gonna, you're going to be content right where you are. You know? <laughs> but I just needed to make a decision. Hey, I'm not going to have an idol in my life. You know, an acceptable one or a non-acceptable one. The drugs is so obvious. You've got an addiction like that, you know it's a problem. But there's many of us who have other kinds of hidden idols that kind of look okay. But actually, they're robbing us of the relationship with God that God wants us to have. They're robbing us of the connection to God we can really have. The Greek word for idol is phantom. Phantom. I love that because it talks of something that's an illusion, something that's a deception, something that isn't, you can't actually grasp it, isn't really real. There's all kinds of people chasing after idols. I love how Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, they called him the Prince of Preachers. And he said this, people are in a restless pursuit after satisfaction in earthly things. They will exhaust themselves in the deceitful delights of sin and finding them all to be vanity and emptiness, they will become very perplexed and disappointed. But they will continue their fruitless search. Though wearied, they will stagger forward under the influence of spiritual madness. And though there is no result to be reached except that of everlasting disappointment, yet they press forward. They have no forethought for their eternal state. Their present hour absorbs them. They turn to another and another of the earth's broken systems, hoping to find water where not a drop was ever discovered. Wow. Wow. I love it. I love it. Your thirst, my thirst, your thirst is only going to be quenched by living water. The water that comes from God, you know, it's not going to be quenched in these other things. Jeremiah 2.13 says, my people have committed, oh, I shared that with you earlier, I think. So yeah, so we need to make a decision. Hey God, I'm going to come to you. I saw this, I'm going to tell you a crude illustration, so Brace yourselves, but it's a good one, right? So, so Pear Grylls, he's, he's this kind of guy, he goes into the wilderness, and he shows you how to survive in, like, the wilderness just with your bare hands, you know? And uh, one, I saw one episode with him, you know, and he goes into the wilderness, and he's like, right, when you're really low on water, when you're super dehydrated, one of the things you can do is you can catch a snake, he catches a snake, he kills the snake, takes the skin off the snake, and he's like, you can wee into the snake skin and you can keep that urine and you can drink it to survive. Yeah, yeah. So he shows you this, he drinks some of it, you're like, ah, disgusting. And, oh, sorry, that's too loud. And he's, oh, that's disgusting. And basically he talks about you can survive, you can survive. What the Bible's saying when it says you keep going to broken cisterns instead of going to living water, it's like the equivalent of you've got that snake skin, it's kept you alive through this barren desert, but then you come to this luxurious oasis of crystal clear, pure, cool water, and you say to yourself, no thanks, I'll keep a hold of my snake skin. 
It's the equivalent of that. God's saying, what the heck? Like, stop going to broken systems. Stop going to things that are promising you something that never really delivered to you. They give you a moment of release and a whole load more guilt, shame, and pain. He says, hey, why don't you come to the living water? Why don't you come to this living water that is Jesus, where you're never going to thirst again? And there's a, there's a be great if the band could uh, come up. You know, how do I, you know, receive this living water? Well, Jesus, he meets a woman at a well in the Bible, in John 4. And it says that, that she, he said to her, hey, um, can you get me a drink? And so she says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll draw you some water from the well. And he, she draws him some water, he drinks the water, and he says to her, hey, if you asked me, I'd give you living water so that you'd never thirst again. And she doesn't understand what he's saying. She's kind of like, ah, oh, living what? You know, we have to keep drinking from the work. She doesn't get what he's saying. He's trying to say to her, hey, I'm going to give you some spiritual water where you're never going to thirst again for the things that you keep going to to satisfy that you never do. She doesn't get it. So then he says to her, hey, could you get your husband? And she says, oh, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, that's right. And the man, you've had many, many husbands, she says, he says to her, and he says, but the man you're with now is not your husband. Here's what he's saying. Hey, you've gone to relationships, and you've made him an idol. You've gone from relationship to relationship, looking for something that's never been delivered to you. But if you ask me, I'll give you living water. And what's he talking about? He's talking about himself. Himself. He's saying, I'll give myself to you. You'll find in me what your soul really craves for. That, that, that human flourishing... That, that, that real sense of soul wellness that you're looking for in all the wrong places. Hey, come to me. I'm going to give it to you in me. I love this. It's saying that we've got to keep on coming to Jesus. And here's the deal. This is not a one-time event. I mean, maybe you're here today, you never prayed a prayer, invite Jesus into your life. Well, hey, make today the day and invite him in. But this is not a one-time event. This is a continual event. Hey, I'm thirsty, I go to Jesus. Hey, I'm thirsty, I go to Jesus. Hey, where does my soul flourish? In Jesus. Hey, where do I find that deep soul wellness? It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. It's not in these other things that vie for my attention, that want to draw me in, that give me a moment's relief, but ultimately I feel bad after. No, 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 no. He's talking about real peace, real joy, real purpose, real love. Living water is only found in Jesus. I love it. Jesus has this other phrase where he says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. What does he mean? He means this. In the culture he was in, bread was the staple of their diet. He's saying, I'm your staple. I'm, if he went to the Irish, he would have said, I'm the potato of life. If he went to the Chinese, he would have said, I'm the rice of life. He's saying, hey, that which is your staple, that thing which is your staple, hey, that's me. That's me. He's saying this, you've got to come to me every day. Every day you've got to come to me. You've got to keep on getting filled, keep on getting restored, keep on getting healed, keep on getting set free, keep on getting helped, keep on getting encouraged, keep on getting empowered. You've got to come daily to Him, daily to Him. He's going to refresh you, meet with you, encourage you and help you like nothing else in this universe can. The Creator of all things loves you, wants you, is waiting for you. What I love about God, He'll let me play around with some idols, some things that aren't delivered. Then when I'm good and ready and I come to Him, He's there for me. He's waiting for us to turn to Him, waiting for us to invite Him in. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others 
to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.